the name of the sixth book? The Half-Blood Prince. Coming up next, it's the sixth episode, The Half-Blood Prince of Booketing Episodes on Harry Potter. Welcome to the Booketing. This is Nathan Robertson, your humble and obedient host. Joined by Brandon. Hey, Brandon. Hey, Nathan. PhD. Hey, Nathan. Hey, Nathan. Yeah. Uh, sounding a little different than he did last week. Oh, yeah. So much different. What, what, who do you like better, Jake? Brandon in the flesh, IRL in real life, or Brandon as, as performed by me? Um, or maybe I should ask, do you like me better? Or <laughs> do you like me better? I like the real Brandon Chastine. <sighs> Well, the real Brandon Chastine, please stand up. Okay, I'll stand up. He's standing up, folks. Not really. He's not really. We could have lied. I was you. going to them. We, we could have lied to them on it's it's radio. They'd never know the difference. But we don't tell lies. No, we are nothing if not voracious. Is voracious? No. No, voracious. <laughs> uh, we have veracity. We're nothing we're if not hungry. hungry right now. We are voracious. At least What's two of the us adjective are form of veracity, though? Probably voracious. Veracious. Veracious. We are nothing if not veritas. 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 We're just the truth. Veritas. We We're nothing if not veritic. We represent truth, justice, and beauty in this room. Yep. Which one of us is which? Beauty, obviously, right here. This is really difficult. I'm not sure. I'm just As pastor, pastor so. he would represent justice. Or truth. Or truth, which means I would represent justice. <laughs> you're justice. Yeah, you're the Texan. You know all about justice. Sure. Law yeah. dog. <laughs> my pappy told my pappy back in my day, son. <laughs> You don't know this song? I, man's got to answer for the wicked things he's done. A man does have to answer for the wicked things he's done. And speaking of which, we've got Pastor Menzel. Hi, Nathan. Or, I don't even remember what voice I did for you. Is, uh, hi. Hi, Nathan. How you doing, Jake? I'm good. You're the you pastor good? who's a master of reading. I will interrupt your answer to how you're doing to say that you're the pastor who's a master of reading. And this is our sixth. How are you doing? A little under the weather. but You sound a little under the weather, my friend. Booketing. Yes, we're doing the booketing right now. We're talking about Harry Potter, the boy who lived. Spoilers. Spoilers. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Well, (laughs) that's not really a spoiler. He lived the first time. We don't know whether he lived the second time. He lives the second time, too. Hmm. There you go. That's a spoiler. Brandon? Yeah. We're talking about Harry Potter today. We are. Now, and what I thought we'd do to kick things off is we received an email, as we do from time to time. Did you ever say how you were doing? Yeah, Jake's under the weather. He's doing fine, though. He's doing great. He loves to be here. The booking is his favorite thing. Didn't ask me. Me and Brandon are his... How are you, Brandon? No, I'm fine. Good. (laughs) Jake is happy. He's glad to be here. Uh, Serena Williams is having a complicated comeback, it says in my email right now. Mm. I don't know why someone felt the need to email me with that. See, because she was pregnant. But she's, she's still doing... Is Venus still a thing? I think they're both still a thing. Like the planet? Yeah. The planet Venus. That's still there. The Williams sisters. The reason I my email enters into this is because we received an email from a gentleman, as we do from time to time, with a question. He's listened to some of our other Harry Potter episodes. He had a point. So this is from our friend Ryan. Say hello to Ryan, guys. Hi, Ryan. What's up, Ryan? So he is referencing the part from last week's episode, I guess, where we talked about the morality of Harry Potter, hmm. and we we talked about the the age old idea that everything that Harry does is is cool and moral. Everything that you know, if somebody doesn't like Harry, then mm-hmm. that old canard about Harry Potter that 
Christians and people interested in morality like to say. So Ryan says, and I quote, It seems to me that one of the main points of the Potter series is that we are not always as cool as we think we are. Harry is rebuked kindly by Dumbledore, and he spells that D-O-O-R, in the first book concerning the Mirror of Erised. And that's just one of the of many times Harry is shown to be or do or want something wrong. The big example that comes to mind, of course, is Snape. Turns out Harry was wrong about Snape. But we also learn of the, over the course of the series that Harry's father was a bit of a bully and kind of a jerk. When I first read the books, I was waiting for the justification of Harry's father's behavior. I found it refreshing that it never came. J.K.R. left the stories of Harry's dad as a kid the way they were metaphorical warts and all we never found find out that snape actually deserved what he got harry's dad was just being a jerk we're left with the impression that he probably matured as he grew older and probably had good qualities even as a young man but he wasn't perfect and i think jkr wants us to understand that just because some someone is one of the quote cool kids unquote does not mean that they are always right Harry often discovers over the course of the series that dumbledore or one of the other adults was right and he was wrong Anyway, that was my impression. It's been years since I read the books, so maybe my memory is making Harry into a better person than J.K.R. made him. Uh, Unquote. That's the end of the... Well, it's not the end of the email, but that's the end of the salient portion. What are your thoughts? Well, I'll take immediate issue with one thing. Okay. It's that J.K.R. wants us to learn. What did he say? Can you go back to the email? Sure, absolutely. He said something about she intends us to learn or she wants us to learn about... Uh, let's see here. Because this is symptomatic of something. And I think JKR wants us to understand yeah, that just, right there. just because someone is one of the cool kids does not mean that they are always right. A lot of people say this about authors and when when even I talk about the author's intention within a, a book, maybe some people might think that this is actually what I mean. Is mm-hmm. like I think that Tolstoy in Anna Karenina is being very intentional about trying to teach us something. Right. Someone writing a book like this, they're only teaching you insofar as, as the world they're creating follows a certain morality and pattern. Mm-hmm. She's not like in, she's not necessarily intending to teach us anything about bullying and about the way that we grow or whatever. Right. Does it make sense? And it can lead you to some fallacies, I mm-hmm. think, if you look at an if you look at the authorial question that way. So, such as just, just to make it a little bit clearer, how how exactly is he looking at the authorial question? Um, she, uh, the way that he wrote the question right there, and maybe this is being unfair, but this is actually what he said, was that she intends this thing to teach us this thing, mm-hmm. right? And I don't think that's right at all. Right. I think she's telling us a story, and through the story, by understanding what she's saying and letting the characters do, then we can make certain assumptions about her morality. Yes. Right? And and you are saying that that's different from someone like Tolstoy? Or no, I'm saying this, it's, this, it's, it's that, the this same. Is just... I'm saying that that's the, the approach is wrong. Mm-hmm. To any To any fiction, fiction, unless the author is a moralist, mm-hmm. which there are authors who are moralists. Right. Like, if you're reading Aesop's fables, it's not unfair to say, what was he trying to teach us? Yeah, exactly. If there is, or if, if it's he an allegory. Yeah, immoral. Right. I would start there. Mm-hmm. It's just a, a nitpicky point, maybe. Yeah, but. well, I, in his defense, I will say, I don't ever really like it when people talk about the author's intentions in a certain sense, because I just know you can never really know what they were thinking, and people are always... But I think oftentimes when we, when we use language, like what was the author's intention, we're using it as a kind of shorthand. We're saying, what did he effectively communicate by this? You know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not saying that the author doesn't matter. The author does matter. I'm just saying for any given portion of the book, you never really know what you know someone was thinking. Yeah, and I'm, I'm partly saying this just because I want to give people whiplash and right. never quite expect what I'll say about the author. Mm-hmm. So. Right, <laughs> exactly. So... 
be that as it may, okay, that's a good starting point. JKR, as I guess we're calling her now, wasn't really trying to teach us much of anything. But yet she does teach us. Mm, mm, mm. Oh. Oh. Yes, yeah. yeah, much like Brandon Chastine teaches, is schooling us all right now. Go on, Brennan. So well, the, he brings up the mirror of Arison mm-hmm. and that Dumbledore is teaching Harry at that point, or at least mildly rebuking him. Mm-hmm. If you go back to that scene, it wasn't a sin. It wasn't wrong. It wasn't even immature necessarily for him to want to see his parents. It would have been immature for him to have stayed at the mirror. And so Dumbledore is protecting him. That doesn't mean that Harry isn't young and doesn't need protection, but Harry's overall trajectory and Harry's overall motives are always right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What you need to see in Harry uh, for this to be a good story is growth. Yeah. And so there have to be places where Harry matures or is taught little lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are always places where Harry matures, where Harry is taught a little lesson here, or a little lesson there, but he's always wrong in details. He's always wrong in small ways mm-hmm. and never his big intuitions are always, always right. And okay. Uh, the biggest counter to that is, well, he got Snape wrong. That just feels like more of a function of a plot point than any than a point of personal growth for Harry would would be my immediate response to that. Yeah, and ultimately he didn't get Snape wrong right. because ultimately he, in his compassion, ran to him and got what he needed from him mm-hmm. and showed that compassion there at the end. And so he got Snape wrong when it, when the plot required him to get Snape wrong. Um, but there were never any big consequences. But especially you know, book five has. Harry is just wrong, 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 wrong. Mm-hmm. Harry is therefore responsible for the deaths of his friends and his godfather. And Dumbledore just shows up and says, "My bad, Joe. Mm-hmm. It was all. It's, this is all on me. It's not on you." Mm-hmm. And gets Harry off the hook. And the reader, nobody has to feel any weight for the consequences of Harry's actions, the consequences of Harry's rebellion against Dumbledore, because Dumbledore should have just clued him in and told him everything and explained everything to him better. And so, okay, even there, should Harry, what kind of the lesson is, if there's a lesson, if there is a moral to that one, well, should Harry have listened to Dumbledore? Well, yeah, maybe, but, and there's always a big but there, Mm -hmm. but Dumbledore should have told him more. Harry did the best that he could with the information that he was given. We never get the sense that his intuition is going to try to save everybody and take care of everybody and do the right thing. And he was in the hands of a fool Mm -hmm. who misguided him by not giving him enough information. Harry would have always done the right thing because the right thing that doesn't have anything to do with respecting authority. It has to do with, you know, just kind of doing the right, just doing the right thing, whatever that is, is what Harry's intuition tells him it is. Mm And so if Harry had just had the right information, it's just a question of information and knowledge. Mm-hmm. If Harry had the right information, he would have made the right decision. He was always making the best choices he could possibly make with the information that he's been given. And with the information he had, even this even applies to Snape. Mm-hmm. With the information he had, he made the best decisions that he could make. If Dumbledore had never lied, and he lied multiple times about Snape. Mm-hmm. Um, from book one, he lied about Snape, where he said the whole thing with Harry and and your dad was because of, uh, I don't remember what it is, but it didn't have anything to do with Lily. Mm-hmm. It was because he saved your your dad's life. He resented your dad because your dad saved his life. It had nothing to do with Lily. He just lied and lied and lied. If Harry had had any of the right information from the beginning, Harry mm-hmm. would have known. Well, it strikes me that as you talk that she has to throw Dumbledore under the bus 
in order to let Harry off the hook. It part, uh, but maybe a large right, part of really the problem make, with Dumbledore yes. is that she was never willing to let Harry be wrong or to be disciplined. Like if, if Harry's and just... And so the father figure always has to be wrong. Right. And because like, the father figure think... has to be the one who's in the know mm-hmm. from the beginning. And so if the plot changes, if the big structures change, then you've got two choices. Either Harry's wrong or Dumbledore was lying or concealing the truth. Mm-hmm. So the decision's always Dumbledore's lying or concealing the truth. And it gets to be and ridiculous. These, fa- these father figures, they're always the ones that fail. By, by the end of the book, it's just like, why did we respect Dumbledore? I mean, it, she really neuters her mentor father figure. I mean, it, it, I know we talked about this last time. In order time, to but... give us the, the Lily Snape plot and to make Snape sympathetic. It's, well, James that... is a jerk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's because... You know, dads are allowed... Every authority figure is allowed to fail and be terrible, except for... Every male authority figure. McGonagall. Not yes, to put... Ev- yeah. Yeah. Except for... Yeah, it's every male authority figure. Arthur Weasley is allowed to... But Mrs. Weasley, uh, McGonagall, the moms, mm-hmm. Lily Potter. Right. They're the strong ones. They're mm-hmm. the strong ones that get it right. And Snape, because he's got the power. The... Uh, <laughs> He's got, He's the, got power. the power. Well, what I'm thinking of now when I'm, I'm saying power, because I'm thinking of that one room in the end of the fifth book that they can't open because it has too much power or something holding the door shut. And Dumbledore says, if you were to go in there, the what's in that room would like consume you or something. Mm-hmm. And apparently it's heart. Mm-hmm. And he says it's what Henry, or not Henry, what Harry has so much of and which is what makes him where he can make these wise decisions and... It's his greatest power, is what mm. Dumbledore says. It's his heart. Yeah, that's her That's her morality. And that's Harry's intuition is always going to be, which is heart. Mm-hmm. She equates heart and intuition. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Harry's so, always following his heart. Yeah. And, and so his heart never lies. Yeah. And his heart can only be lied to. Yeah. And so uh, Dumbledore conceals truth. Voldemort lies. Harry makes a decision that gets Sirius Black killed. It's not Harry's fault. And you can, and you can Harry s- did the right thing with what he knew, his instincts, his heart was in the right place, always in the right place. And you can see it in the way that she even sets up her world and that Gryffindor is like the crowning house Mm -hmm. as opposed to like, if you were to imagine Tolstoy, not Tolstoy, Tolkien writing this world to go back to Tolkien again, Mm -hmm. which of the houses would he have, he would have at least had Ravenclaw there with Gryffindor, right? Oh, sure. The house of wisdom, the house of learning, Mm -hmm. because you always see Gandalf off and reading in the lore. He's trying to also learn as much as he is trying to get power, but she favors not the arrogance but it's just the heart right. the intuition the thing that leads those who are going to be brave and it has nothing to do with wisdom it's just heart mm-hmm. and so henry or, no, i keep saying henry <laughs> henry <Potter>. harry, <laughs> harry has heart and in the end snape has heart too because mm-hmm. he's committed to this one woman so passionately he's willing to die do you know who doesn't seem to have a lot of heart really is dumbledore i mean dumbledore i just i know we've said it now multiple different ways multiple different times but that character just does not work and it's a moral failure yeah he is a he's both a character who can have enough power that we and we're supposed to think that we just don't understand him that he can mm-hmm. drive the plot and also at the same time be a mouthpiece for her cheesy moralities mm-hmm. yeah for what she takes to be her great confucius sayings mm-hmm. <laughs> i was the, the first time i read those books I was so disappointed that Dumbledore never said anything wise. I just kept waiting for him to say something that really resonated with me. And I was like, you know, a broken clock is 
write twice a day. J.K. Rowling may not be the best, but sure, here she is trying to write the sage. Surely, I mean, Yoda says a couple things. Stick with you. I don't know. War's not what makes one great. Uh, I'm not going to be able to come up with any great Yoda lines off the top of my head. But generally speaking, in these kinds of epics, the sages will say something that Dumbledore doesn't even have any cheap pop. Maybe the kids feel differently, but I couldn't tell you what a Dumbledore line of wisdom is off the top of my head. Uh, What's the most famous thing that Dumbledore said in those books? The only thing I can think of is, alas, earwax. It does not do to dream. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be the one. That's the one that you see on little memes and and stuff. Love. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. The only wise thing I think Albus Dumbledore ever said in all seven of those books is when he meets up, I think, in book five with Voldemort. And he says, he says, there's so many things worse than death, Tom. Yeah. That was a nice moment. Nice little moment. Yeah. Or have we accused yet J.K. Rowling of being a woman? Because that's what I was just thinking is her failure, her moral failures are very, I'm sorry, I don't always want to come back to sex and make this, you know, and be the misogynist guy. But everything's just kind of relational in these books. There's no hard edges of authority that we're ever supposed to respect. And it's, it's dumb. She doesn't know how to write a dad. And I know her dad, Brandon said. That's why they all suck. In her context. She just makes them all suck. She didn't get along with her dad. And she didn't get along with her first husband. And you don't feel like she has a major chip on her shoulder about it. It doesn't feel like she's trying to write a feminist book or anything like that. You just kind of feel like her worldview. Sticks to what she knows. Yeah. Her worldview just lacks that component, that male, that strong male component. And it's really dumb. It got me thinking. I, I was trying to think of other women writers and whether that's a like a general failing well perfect example my 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 babe jane austen writes great men some of them sometimes maybe feel a little wish fulfillmenty but at least what she wishes for is the virtues of men you know mr knightley mr darcy these are guys that we could aspire to be i wouldn't aspire to be any of the men in harry potter you wouldn't aspire to be lupin lupin would be the one i i don't really remember I admitted I hadn't read these books in a while and did not reread them for the podcast. I don't remember what it was that made Lupin feel like the best father figure in the books, but I certainly do remember him. He's steady. Really. He's he's not flippant. He has a certain pathos, I he remember. He has a certain pathos. And just And wait. responsibility for Harry in a way that nobody else takes for mm-hmm. him, not even Dumbledore until the sixth book. And then it's only because he wants to help him kill a Horcrux. Right. <laughs> and convince Slughorn to come back. Yeah. Gotta get Slughorn back. Yeah. Oh, Dumbledore. You You let Umbridge run the school. I mean, Dumbledore just, he's the worst. Yeah. And even the stuff with, so he mentioned Harry's father, James. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It Those scenes always bother me with the way she paints James in high school because it seems to be simply for plot. Yeah, that's the thing. If she was handling the themes of RM, RM I said this last time, I guess, but if she was intentionally playing in a purposeful way with the idea of authorities disappointing us, of our dads not being who we thought wanted them to be, that could be great. But it never feels like she's picking up these difficult subjects because she has anything to say about them or really cares yeah, about I mean, them. And to be fair, the only time we see James is through Snape's memory. Yeah. So he's going to be the dark villain in that memory. Mm-hmm. But still, and we get serious and Lupin both say, well, that's not really who he was. You know, it was more complicated than that. That seems to be the most that she can tell us about anything. I said it's more complicated than that. Mm-hmm. So. There's Jake Menzel. He ran and he got himself a, what'd you get, Jake? Grapefruit seltzer water. We just said we were voracious with the, we are, we are the heights of veracity. So we're not going to pretend like you didn't just go get a grapefruit water. You needed a grapefruit seltzer water. 
Sometimes I was gonna choke on something. I just needed something to drink. Sometimes I man, Jake's a little under the weather, as he said, folks. And today he needed a grapefruit seltzer water. Good pick me up. Which he has, yes. Yep. Does not do to choke, to paraphrase the great Albus Dumbledore. Does not do to choke on soda and forget to breathe. Mm Mm-hmm. No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh well, what else? Uh, Was there more to that to that email? Did we answer his question? Was uh, it- I don't know. Why don't I look look at and the question again? He says, all right, so he says, it seems to me that one of the main points of the Potter series is that, I'll just t- ask you guys true or false. One of the main points of the Potter series is that we're not always as cool as we think we are. True or false? Yes. False. That's one of the main points of the Potter series is that we, mm-hmm. not Harry, but we. We the reader. We're all Harry. We the people. We're all Harry. Mm-hmm. Everyone's as cool as they think they are. Absolutely. No, the point and, is, the, no, in J.K. Rowling's mind. In yeah. J.K.R., as I like to call her. Uh, J.K. Rowling is teaching us. It seems one of the main points of the Potter series is that we're not always as cool as we think we are. True or false? False. false. I would say that that's false. I don't think that the books that's are. That's not a point. He's going to want evidence. He's trying to make. So we're saying they he can come back to us with evidence. Well, so the evidence is Snape is, this is his evidence. It, it, that people are, that. Harry's dad. That you're not as cool as you think you are. That's the point. Yes. Didn't we say that? No. Look, uh, Harry is as cool as he as he can possibly be all of the time, except that you you the reader are not cool, and so Harry always needs a foil. Mm-hmm. And so there's always going to be something that turns turns the crowd or seems to turn the crowd against Harry for a brief period of time before Harry gets to be everybody's favorite hero again. But when I I saw that first movie absolutely striking to me and i was i don't know how old i was when that first movie came out but i just remember thinking what on earth he's the quidditch guy now and he's catching the snitch it's it was he just, can do anything it was just striking to me how he's the boy who much... lived he's the quidditch star he's yeah. on top of the world he's the youngest guy a kid in a hundred years he's the he's the guy who defeats Voldemort here and and, and then is going to bring the whole, point so that he his his team gets he brings Gryffindor the cup for the first time in years mm-hmm. and he you know and everybody in the entire school who's not a Slytherin is happy about it because everybody hates Slytherin he, he's in like the coolest house to be in and you watch the he movie has the coolest line of people Professor McGonagall can hardly keep a smile off of her face at the end as as Gryffindor wins and. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No. She set it all up. She's gonna make sure that Harry broke the rule. She got Harry a broomstick. First years aren't allowed to have broomsticks. She bent it and broke the rules. You should stop tearing for, the table up. For all that, it is remarkable how likable Harry is. And I don't well, know. Yeah. I don't it, actually know how she does it. I mean, she does well, yeah. it in part by good foils and and by disguising them well enough that it, you don't just think she's she's. It doesn't always. It they doesn't, feel they except for when it's Snape. They feel legit. Like, so the first thing is that Harry's 11 years of life with the Dursleys and the Dursleys make Harry a likable, seemingly unlikely hero. Everybody knows how it is to feel oppressed by their parents or have an oppressed home life in one way or another. Some kid feels that way. Everybody knows how it feels, even if it's not true, but to feel like everybody in school hates you because Mm -hmm. you did something that's so stupid that you just feel like everybody hates you and everybody's staring at you and everybody thinks that you're the worst. Everybody's had that feeling one way or another, unless you're homeschooled, but then even Mm -hmm. among your siblings, I'm sure, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, You do not. She she, she evokes those emotions and those 
sentiments here and there. But at the end of the day, Harry starts out on top, Harry ends on top. It's always going to be that way. And so what it means is that so long as Harry's got a foil, you as an actual real life loser can relate to Harry and live vicariously through Harry, who, although at times seems like Mm -hmm. or is perceived as being a loser, just like you are in real life a loser, you know, in the end... We all know that Harry is super awesome and special and cool, just like you, Reader, are super awesome and special and cool. Yeah. But she and does a good job trick with that, that stuff. Yeah, she, that's, she, the, she, that's the magic trick, and that's why so many people resonate with it, and that's why so many losers run around with Harry Potter tattoos. Didn't you say you were the guy that didn't use the word resonate, or did you cop to last episode to being someone that was used the word resonate? We brought up the word resonate. Well, I know you said you were resonating on the frequency where you were finally giving in to say resonate. Resonate. I'm sure I use it all the time. Oh, okay, good. All right, excellent. Resin. resin, tree resin. Yep, resin kills. Yeah, I hate pandering wish fulfillment crap, mm-hmm. and she does a really good job of making me not hate her book. It's impressive, actually. While giving you exactly that. While giving me exactly that, yeah. I mean, it is It is just like shovelfuls of that down my throat, but somehow it doesn't have a sickly sweet taste. Like, for example, Brendan's favorite book, Ready Player One, it's just like every page is pandering to you somehow, and, and you, by the end, you just kind of want to throw up, even if you sort of enjoyed it. But Harry Potter never does that. You never really feel like that. You might take note of it, like, oh, this is pandering to me, but you don't feel pandered to. So good job, JKR. At the end of the day, you know, and a lot of it is just... She draws Harry as genuinely and generally a truly humble, sympathetic kid who's just trying to do the right thing, who it never thinks of himself as special and kind of legit doesn't really like the spotlight mm-hmm. and and does also like it like a normal kid would, but also, you know, it always brings him trouble. So Right. Well, and the real maybe the real genius move is Ron and Hermione because you know you shall know a man by his friends. Uh, yeah, you you have those two liking Harry. Those two are just inherently likable and relatable. And we all we may, we may not have all felt like Harry. We may not have all been a Harry in our lives, but we certainly all had Rons and Hermiones in our lives, or Ben, Ron, or Hermione, or Neville, or Neville. Yeah. yeah, and so to have those people rallying around Harry and not hating Harry or resenting Harry, but in fact thinking Harry's a pretty cool dude and, and a bit of a Harry bro, choose to be their friend. Yeah, yeah, that's the whole. That's pretty much the ball game right there. Yeah. Well, you were the one that was all like, "Well, friendship—the way she draws friendships—that's really stupid and lame." The way she draws friendship is wonderful. The way that Guardians of the Galaxy draws friendship is equally wonderful. So I'm assigning her limited points, but. <laughs> <laughs> I think if if you want to go back to that for a second, I think the point I was trying to make was that last episode, I think. I think so. I haven't listened to it yet. Yeah. Well, the point I was trying, the only point I was really trying to make, I think, was not that she doesn't do a good job with the courage and the friendship. She does. It's really, really good. I think it's just, I I know I kind of said this last time too, but I just don't think that anyone's going to argue. It didn't take any courage for her to write those as virtues. She wrote them well. Did I ask Last time, if so, we don't need to rehearse it. But I ask what virtues would be courageous to... Well, how about the one that we've all said was noticeably lacking, which was the virtue of submission to any kind of an authority? If Dumbledore had yelled at Harry, a lot of people would be like, bro, why does Dumbledore have to yell at Harry? I mean, just like as I was when I was a kid, I was like, bro, why does Gandalf have to yell at Pippin? Uh-huh. And tell Pippin he should be better if he was dead than if he messed up again like he messed up. Yeah. It's like that hurts. Um, I think it's fair. So 
I don't know. It's not like every book has to be about authority or about, you know, unpopular biblical virtues. I'm not trying to say that. Folks, don't don't make me say that. Well, I mean, I just finished book five, mm-hmm. finally. That book and, is a slog. And um, one thing that I, which struck me as weird, I, as they were doing their owls, mm-hmm. taking their final exams. Oh, yeah. I was like, he and Ron barely studied for this. Mm-hmm. And yet, and then in the beginning of book six, which I read not too long ago now, he gets high marks in almost everything except the subjects he doesn't actually need. Mm-hmm. And then conveniently it, enough, Slughorn's the one place him. where yeah. he didn't get high enough marks. But Slughorn's going to take him because he's now the new potions master. Yep. Our potions teacher. Mm-hmm. And so everything works out just fine for Harry. So he's no consequences. He's, yeah, he's got good fortune on his side. He doesn't have to work hard for mm-hmm. anything but what he feels passionate about. Right. It's like the his little sea for crocodile schools. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's just teach kids to do what they love. Well, I really think if the books do somehow, by some cruel twist of fate, find themselves doomed to obscurity, if the books don't last, it will be because she wasn't capable of writing some actual wisdom and some actual sacrifice and some and an actual coming of age for Harry. If there's one thing that makes the books not good, it's that they don't have that quality, which they should have. Yeah, and they are missing that because book five could have been, I keep bringing up Tol- uh, Tolkien, but it could have been Frodo struggling with the ring. Yeah. And I remember when I first read The Lord of the Rings, those scenes made me really uncomfortable mm-hmm. where you actually see Frodo being corrupted by the ring. Mm-hmm. And then when Sam tries to take the ring and how it actually kind of corrupts him for a while too. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. It's well. so, um, and then not to, and we might, may, may, we may have made this point, but she had the opportunity with the scar being a connection to Voldemort mm-hmm. to actually have this struggle mm-hmm. with darkness and to really have that mean something and then have Dumbledore step in and mm-hmm. be his teacher, someone who had authority and wisdom that could actually help him through this and Snape to be actually be sympathetic when he was tre- teaching him occlumency or whatever mm-hmm. it was instead of just being this petty guy who couldn't get over a school crush. Right. But she wants to glorify the petty guy who can't get over a school crush. She wants to get rid of the guy who has any, uh, who would be the best chance of having any authority, which would be Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. And and instead just praises it's like it's not as perverse but it's pretty close to what i hate about um little prince mm-hmm. it's all about the child's heart being the purest thing in the world oh, and if we could all yep. just follow the child's heart we would find our way to the path of righteous virtue it's like no that's that's not true yeah that book is gross, y'all. Like yeah. the little prince. I, yeah. I know. I think we've said it before. One day we're gonna yeah. have to review that it's, thing just so we can uh, nail it to the wall. Let's review it right now. It's horrible. It's sex. It's horrible. Never it's, read it. Do not let your kids read it unless you want them to grow up into little posers that will commit suicide. I mean, I really just think the book is evil. I I think it's. Evil. I'm not speaking hyperbolically here at all. Me neither. I think um, it's evil. Yeah, yeah, it's there's something sexually twisted about it. It is oh, yeah. sexual. Um, it's sexual. It's and there's something suicidal. Yeah, right. It's I mean, sexual and suicidal. It's yeah. death and sex glorified in a perverse, given the well, sheen of pedophilic it, sort yeah. of way. It is pedophilic. It's yeah. the relationship between the the aviator mm-hmm. and a little prince. It's the classic relationship between the yeah. old man who's going to listen and understand the child, but nobody else will understand mm-hmm. the child. And ugh. it's gross. Yeah, yeah, well, it is. And these are the kinds of insights you get when you listen to the sixth episode on Harry Potter. Yeah. That's done by the booking. You're welcome. Yeah, you don't you're have welcome. To pay for that one. You don't have to. Well, yeah, I think you should, though. You should pay. Go to patreon.com forward slash the booking. Sign up to give us 100 bucks a month. Yeah. 100. Mm-hmm. Those insights are worth that much. They are. They are. Plus, you'll be able to choose a book. You could make us read The Little Prince. You could. Doesn't mean we'll like it. We'll say the same things that we just said at greater length. Or not. 
we'll just say them at this length and be That'll done because maybe that's all it's worth. Yeah, we didn't promise we'd do long episodes on the books you'd make us read. You could also make us read The Rainmaker by John Grisham. You could. You then could. we'd have a movie to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd appreciate being forced back into Grisham. Yeah, one of these days. Reckon with my childhood. Let's do it. R.L. Stein. Yep. Oh, no. <laughs> no let's, let's just make not. Let's just go relive Please. Jake's entire childhood. <laughs> yeah. We are under a bit of a time crunch here, I'm afraid. I know you got long commutes. I know you like the booketing to be longer. You probably liked it. People in the early, early, early days of the booketing, they would tell me that the podcast was too long. Now, mostly I get... It's too short. So that's how expectations are adjusted according to something that you're doing. Um, In any case, this episode is going to be a little short. I apologize for that if you wanted it to be longer. Uh, Listen to it twice. You can listen to it twice. Yeah. You can hear all our insights on The Little Prince. We're going to be back next week for a Battle Royale, a Harry versus Voldemort, a Neville versus Nagini, a, a Mrs. Weasley versus Bellatrix, if you will. Yeah, It is going to be an intense battle. On the one hand, on the one side, you're going to have Jacob Menzel, the pastor who's a master of reading. And Jake, what point of view are you going to be defending next week? Books are better than the movies. When it comes to Harry Potter, specifically. When it comes to Harry Potter. And on the other side, we've got a man well known for his trial prowess on the booketing. Yep. The defender. I won last time. Of them all, yes. Hands down. Not like you accidentally got... Tolstoy destroyed along with <laughs> Ready Player One. No, there's no way that you were. There's no way that you were that bad at it. No, no way. It's Brandon Chastain, and hey. Brandon, you'll be defending what point of view? That movies are better than books. Yes, and I will be a very in general, in general, yeah, just in general. Movies are better than I've books. I've given up on books. I don't have time to read anymore, so yep. I watch movies. You'll just be sitting here in grumpy silence for That's the right. next twenty years of the booking. That's right. People huh. like grumpy Brandon. So mm-hmm. unless I win. Unless Jake wins. That's a lot of pressure, guys. No, no, no. Brand is defending, actually, the point of view that the Harry Potter books, movies of all movies, are the best. Yeah. And uh, better than the books. Everybody I myself knows. will be attempt to be a impartial judge. However, you I will can, fail. I will fail miserably, and Jake will be sad because I love the Harry Potter movies. I think they're great. Not all Harry Potter movies are created equal, of course, but no. I think the I think the movies are really something special. I think Especially the books three. are pretty wooden. Uh, false. Well, no, no, no. You're you're right. The the movie of number three is a good movie. Yes, but we'll talk more about that next week. It'll be exciting. I have learned absolutely nothing from our last trial, so <laughs> expect some more of the same. Well, you'll have more preparation this time. Didn't I spring that trial on you guys at the last minute last you did. time? Yeah, we didn't know that that was coming. You did. Yeah, so. But I'm still the same old Brandon. <coughs> you you have all week. You can you can retain actual legal counsel if you want to. You uh, can, I've been offered. But. You've got you've got money to throw around. Oh yeah, so much money. You can swim in it. You can actually bring a defense lawyer yeah. with you if you want. I mean, you can attest to the fact that my shirt today is just um, what do they call those mm. pins? 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 Um, clothes pins. Right? Are yeah, they clothes pins? Yeah, clothes pins, yeah. Metal pins? Yeah. Okay, let's try this again. Okay. Safety pin? My shirt, my safety pin. My yeah. shirt is just a bunch of $10 bills safety pinned together. I can testify, in fact, oh. that Brandon is wearing a shirt that is <coughs> nothing but $10 bills <coughs> uh, pinned together. Hey, let's do donor shout outs and let's have, let's call our good friends Maya and Ben in to help us out with donor shout outs. Maya! Maya. 
You're gonna actually make an appearance, Ben. Come on, Ben. We meet again, Ben Solzer. All right, we've got our good friends. Uh, oh, there he is. We got Ben Solzer in the his house. You know him from the Sound of Sanity podcast. Been into his house. And we've got our good friend Maya. You know her from Donor Shoutouts. Maya! Maya! And she may or may not appear on Sound of Sanity sometimes in a different capacity. You'll have to guess which role. Yep. Could be Nathan. Could be Nathan. Could be you never she know. She's been Nathan the whole time. If you guys will cluster around that microphone there, I'm going to give. I'm going to have them help us out with Donor Shoutouts. Great. Uh, da, 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 da. Jake's gone. You guys are Jake now. Yep. Oh, here comes Jake. Jake, I'm having them cluster around your microphone so that they can help you with donor shout-outs. So they can help me? No, no, no. You should... I'm just going to get out of the way. Yeah, you should just get out of the way. All right, here I go. We all love Jake, but we have had many episodes to hear how Jake does donor shout-outs. And he does them well every time. Oh, he does them fantastically well. The best. He's the best. He's the best around. (laughs) All right, Brandon. All right, Nathan. So you're going to shout it out, and then what are they going to do? They are They're gonna, like fulfilling the Jake role, so they got to do some little silly like thing. Doo-wop? Yeah, sure. You guys want to do doo-wop? <laughs> you guys no, know they, what they doo-wop is? <coughs> what do we want to do? What does that mean, Nathan? Please? Yeah. Doo-wop. Do-do-do-do-wop. It's like that kind of music. Uh, they don't want to do that. <laughs> they don't um, want to do that. It's great. How, how would that? Jake never knows how he's going to pull off. It's right. like a natural talent. It's so. basically the booking becomes a, a real improv show when you get to donor shout outs. We are improv. Are stars. Yeah. We are the best improv podcast out there. We yeah. are definitely, certainly the cleanest. Uh, there are no, I mean, it's not like podcasting is a great uh, platform for improv. No, no, no. Until us, we were the, you were the first. We were the pioneers of mm-hmm. that. <laughs> Let's call, uh, you guys can do whatever you want. Brandon's going to call it out, and then you're going to lean into the microphone and do something special in unison. Yep. All right. You got to do the exact same thing. Brandon, call. To read each other's minds. Call call it out for the immortal Chelsea E. The immortal Chelsea E. Do, 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 the immortal Chelsea E. Oh, boy. (laughs) Gorgeous. Uh, (laughs) Chick. (laughs) Nathan, not me. Nathan, not Nathan. Do up, boo. Nathan, not Nathan. Yay. Career is my backup singers. Little Jimmy Beam and little Annie Oakley. Is that what we say about them? Jimmy Beam and little Annie Oakley? Is that what we say about them? Is that what we say about them? Doobie doo, Jimmy Beam and little Annie Oakley. Is that what we say about them? Is that what we say about them? You got to say about them. You're going to be. Is that what we say about them? Nice harmony. Yeah. Uh, Lily of the Valley. <laughs> Lily of the Valley. Lily of the Valley. Okay. <laughs> Lily of the Valley. Woo. <laughs> Got uh, Andrew and Esther, the lovebirds. Andrew and Esther, the lovebirds. Andrew and Esther, the lovebirds. Ah, a prettier melody I've never heard. The inscrutable Jenny Z. The inscrutable Jenny Z. The inscrutable Jenny Z. <laughs> now that's a song. Uh, Robert and Rhonda, the lovebirds. Robert and Rhonda, the lovebirds. Make it good. Robert and Rhonda, the lovebirds. That's very nice. You guys are growing in confidence. John and Jill and Little Baby Max. John and Jill and Little Baby Max. John and Jill and Little Baby Max. Hey. (laughs) The Keith Master. The what? The Keith Master. The Keith Master. Uh, Sounds like a jingle for like a commercial. (laughs) 
And Brandon. Vacuum cleaner, probably. <laughs> yeah. Probably, I'm sure it is. Uh, Brandon. Nathan. Nah, have you ever needed to have anything transported? Not today. Oh, well then. But I have in the past, multiple times. If you had, you and know what you might have wanted to use. I might have used this very thing you're thinking of. My beloved Mother Beth. Oh, <laughs> Like a, in a backpack. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nathan's beloved Mother Beth with a backpack on. My beloved Mother Beth. My oh, beloved Mother Beth with a backpack on. <laughs> David's Mighty Men Trucking. David's Mighty Men Trucking. Our friends, David Our friends. Mighty Men Trucking. David's Mighty Men Trucking. David's Mighty Men Trucking. That is an 80s cartoon that I would watch. Uh, ooh, I think this guy's Can new. Behind the paywall. Yeah. <laughs> In the next episode of David's Mighty Men Trucking. Um, we're going to call you Daniel. Oh, Nathan, you can do better than that. <laughs> okay, fine. Uh, we're going to call you... Daniel, fine, we'll go no, with that. No, we're not. No, we're, no, it's us. No, it's... Brennan, who's in charge here? You are, Nathan. That's right. That's right. Don't you forget it. Who's who's the not replaceable one here? You. That's right. Wow. Actually, you're pretty not replaceable. <laughs> <laughs> you actually know about books and stuff. Uh, the mighty, 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 mighty Daniel. The mighty, 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 mighty Daniel. That's right. <laughs> oh, I like it. Mighty. Mighty, mighty, mighty Daniel. <laughs> mighty, 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 mighty Daniel. Very good, DJ. Yeah. <laughs> DJ Sammy G. Right. DJ Sammy G. DJ Work Work Sammy G. Uh, oh, our me. good friend, Maya. Maya. Nice. 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 <laughs> Jay and Katie, who are cold and love cheese. Jay and Katie, who are cold and love cheese. Jay and Katie, who are cold and love cheese. Benny and Danity. Benny and Danity. The lovebirds. The lovebirds. Benny and Danity, the lovebirds. Eric and Catherine, the lovebirds, and little baby Mac. Eric Whoa. and Catherine. Nope. False. Maybe Max. Wait. <laughs> Wrong siblings. Eric and Catherine. They might call their baby Max. Eric and Catherine, the lovebirds, the little baby X. Whoa. Eric and Catherine, the lovebirds, and little baby X. Eric and Catherine, the lovebirds, and little baby X. I'd watch nice. that 90s sitcom. Yeah. Uh, and finally, our friend, our friends, Professor and Mrs. X, the lovebirds. Professor and Mrs. X. The lovebirds. Skip it. Skip it. Boppity boo. <laughs> what is it, Professor X? <laughs> Professor and Mrs. X. Professor and Mrs. X. The lovebirds. Skip it. Boppity boo. Professor and Lady X. Mrs. X. Lady X. Lady X. There we go. Lady X. The lovebirds. All right. Do they get an applause? Oh, sure. All right. We're, pl- we're applauding ourselves yes. too. Oh, yeah. 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 Encores are available. They're recording an episode of Sound of Sanity for us. Yes. Is that the one that comes out this week? Yeah, it should be up by now. Yeah, it's out. You go over to Sound of Sanity. It won't make any sense if you haven't listened to the other episodes of Sound of Sanity, I guess. Yeah, it'll make some sense, right? Yeah, sure. It's the darkest episode of a podcast we've probably ever done. Yes. True. True. And that includes, that's across all Warhorn media. It'll put a smile on your face. <laughs> no, it won't. Oh, wow. I mean, it will. <laughs> You're the Joker. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, 
it's 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 good. I encourage you to listen to it, but it's pretty dark. Hey, let's do the credits. Thank you for listening to the Booketing Today. This is Nathan Opperson, your humble and obedient host, as I already said. And I'm going into my intro shtick. That's not what I should be doing. I should be doing the outro shtick, which is to say this podcast was produced by Jake, produced by uh, me. Yes. Produced by uh, Brandon. By no, yeah. no. Can you do my ending shtick? Let's hear it, Maya. Let's do it. This episode of The Booketing was produced by Nathan Alverson, executive produced by Jake Menzel and Nathan Alverson, performed by Jake Menzel, Nathan Alverson, Brandon Chastine, and special shout out to Benjamin Solser and myself, Maya Ewer. (laughs) Always check them out on their social media. You can find them on Instagram, on Facebook. Give them a nice rating on iTunes. They'd appreciate it. And you can support them on patreon.com forward slash the booking. Are there any special like deals they can get there? Oh yeah, they could give $2,000. Ooh. Or they could give like ten thousand dollars. Ten thousand yeah, dollars. That's what would a great that, deal. Would that get them anything special? Uh, yeah, give them a donor shout out. A donor shout out. <laughs> oh, those are fun. <laughs> those are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the best part of the show, basically. It's true. <laughs> that was a great job, guys. Oh, Brandon, you're fired. No. <laughs> yes.